everyone welcome to brandon at random reviews i am your host brandon griffiths thank you for stopping by i do appreciate it if you like listening to a guy talk about one unsystematically chosen movie at a time in weekly episodes then look no further to keep up with the newest content you can find brandon at random reviews on most major video and audio platforms as well as most popular social media sites. If you enjoy this, please like and subscribe or follow or whatever it is they do on the platform you're experiencing this on. I am merely using this project to avoid being social at all costs. So today's movie is The Equalizer, based on the television series of the same name that ran from 1985 to 1989, released on September 26th, 2014, directed by Antoine Fuqua. For the writer, we have Richard Wink. For the producers, there are eight different fucking producers on this movie, and I am not fucking Googling all of their images to put on the screen, even the ones that I have heard of. No thanks. For the score, we have composer Harry Gregson-Williams. And for the cast, we have Denzel Washington, who plays Robert McCall. Martin Kosokas plays... Teddy, I have no idea if that's how you pronounce his last name. Chloe Grace Moretz plays Terry slash Alina. David Harbour plays Masters. Haley Bennett plays Mandy. And Bill Pullman plays Brian Plummer. For casting notes, Russell Crowe expressed interest in adapting this show for the big screen in like 2010-ish. And basically, he was originally set to play Robert McCall. Gerard Butler was also considered, and I guess like it didn't come together like Russell Crowe was expecting it to. Anna Kendrick, Kelly McDonald, and Nina Dobrev were all considered to play the part that ultimately went to Chloe Grace Moretz, which is Alina slash Terry, whichever. For the plot synopsis, a man with a mysterious past becomes entangled with the Russian mob after making efforts to defend the honor of a prostitute. Tagline, what do you see when you look at me? Okay, so, all right, let's just dive right into the plot of this fucking movie. So, I've been putting off watching this movie for a while, but it seems like it's a little too popular to ignore. There's two sequels to it, and I really don't know, I I didn't know what this was all about when I came upon it. So, Denzel plays a guy named Robert McCall, who is getting ready to go to his job at this Home Depot slash Lowe's type thing. It's actually called a Home Mart And he goes into a break room and he hassles this overweight co-worker that he's friends with named Ralphie about not eating right because the guy's trying to get into shape to get a security guard job. Also, Ralph is a bad enough name, but to actually go by Ralphie is unacceptable in my opinion. I don't understand it. It seems like McCall lives a pretty quiet, solitary life and there's something weighing on his mind. So he heads to a diner one night and brings his book with him 
So when he gets there, he like situates the book on the table very specifically and then arranges some silverware next to it. Apparently, Denzel Washington studied with people who have OCD to incorporate that aspect into his character. He starts talking to a girl named Terry at the counter about his book and she appears to be a hooker or something and she just gets up and leaves pretty suddenly. The next day at work, some co-workers are trying to figure out what McCall used to do, like what his backstory is. And he tells them that he was a member of Gladys Knight and the Pips. Then he's at the diner again that night, talking to Terry about his book some more, but she has to leave unexpectedly again to be with a client. McCall is training Ralphie with a myriad of different methods, including pulling a tractor tire, which is like, I mean, that's like the go-to for movies these days. McCall is being exceptionally hard on Ralphie, but he wants him to achieve his goals. And then he goes to the diner yet again, another night, and talks with Terry again, who reluctantly sits with him at his table. It's clear that one of her clients roughed her up pretty bad, and the two of them talk about their interests, and she wants to be a singer, and she tells him that her name is actually Alina, which is what I'll call her until further notice, and he talks about having been married, and he says that his wife broke his heart, but I'm willing to bet the real story there is that she probably died, and it's like, that's his way of saying it, so he doesn't get all of the sympathy type stuff. McCall and Alina go outside, and they walk for a bit and just as they're about to part ways Alina's pimp comes up and confronts her about what happened with the client from the previous night McCall looks on and one of the men with the pimp tries to defuse McCall's interest like he I can't remember if he like wanted to buy him off or what he was trying to do the next night McCall is told by the man behind the counter at the diner that Alina is in the hospital after having been beaten up pretty bad at the hospital McCall crosses paths with this woman named Mandy who was also there to see Alina. Mandy explains to Robert that Alina tried to defend herself when the pimp's crew was roughing her up and that now the pimp is making an example out of her for his other girls. So, I mean, despite only knowing that McCall has some mysterious past at this point, we don't really know what that past is, but it's pretty clear that he's going to fuck these guys up. We see the mob guys back at their hideout or whatever, and McCall just shows up. There's always noticeable tension in any conversation involving Denzel Washington, but this one's particularly tense. It just seems like Denzel Washington is like fighting back anger whenever he's talking to somebody in movies. And it's not so bad in real life, but like in movies, it's like that's the gear he is in at all times. The head of this group of guys is very dismissive of McCall, and when McCall offers to buy him off with $9,800 in exchange for Alina's freedom, they get pretty disrespectful. But McCall is actually cool as the other side of the pillow this entire time. I mean, he's visibly not happy, and the pimp tells him that the $9,800 is something that Alina could earn him in a very short span of time, and he basically tells McCall to fuck off. McCall goes to the door and just barely unlatches the door and then closes it again and then does that again a few more times like unlatching relatching unlatching relatching and then he finally closes the door and deadbolts it then he just turns back around and starts the timer on his watch 
And he just starts fucking these guys up as they come at him, and he stabs one guy with a corkscrew. There's some pretty cool kills here. Afterwards, all the bad guys are laying dead or dying on the floor, and McCall lets the guy know how bad he fucked up because he could have just taken the $9,800 and continued living. Ralphie comes to work and greets McCall with a Pringles can, and as McCall starts chastising him for eating salty food, the guy reveals that it's a gift for McCall, and when the can is opened, he finds this slip of paper inside indicating that Ralphie made his weight. What the hell is this anticlimactic shit? Like, you're gonna, you can't just fucking say, hey man, great news, I hit my goal weight. Like, no, let me just write my weight down on a slip of paper and put it in a Pringles can and bring it to you and make it fucking weird. McCall sees the story about the men he killed on the news and it's speculated that it was merely the result of mob warfare. A detective is looking at the photos and the case file and looking around the crime scene and I'll be honest with you, like this is kind of an underwhelming thread that they do where they're showing what the cop is doing. Meanwhile, the other mob bosses are trying to figure out what the fuck really happened as they don't have security footage and they know that there is no reason to believe it was some kind of mob hit or something. One day McCall comes into work and finds out that Ralphie quit his job very unexpectedly and McCall finds him at his new place of work which is his mother's eatery and the eatery was badly damaged by a fire it seems and Basically, Ralphie was needed to help out there, and McCall offers to assist with the work that needs to be done to basically try and get Ralphie back on track again, because obviously that's going to be pretty discouraging. The mob guys come to put the squeeze on some construction boss who is overstepping what the mob allows him to do, and the main boss just kind of beats the shit out of him, and it's made clear that this was done to send a message about his behavior. So back with Ralphie, he's clearly devastated by the situation he's now in and tells McCall he probably would have never passed the security guard test anyway. The mob guys are trying to figure out who McCall is, and they can tell that the hit he executed was the work of an expert. McCall decides to confront a couple of crooked cops in an alleyway and show him evidence that he has against them, and they try and rough him up or arrest him, and he immediately just takes them the fuck down. Mandy, who is the woman McCall saw at the hospital visiting Alina, is getting pressured to spill the beans on who McCall was and what he said to her, and then the mobster that's asking her all these questions just straight up chokes her to death. Next up, it's a softball game where we get some McCall smugness as he catches a fly ball before his teammate who called for it can catch it. Now, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I'm certainly no expert, but I'm pretty sure it's a douche move that if someone else calls for the ball, like if it's a fly ball, you're not supposed to like go over and intervene and try and like show them up basically like I mean I don't know how else to put it it just it seems like a dick move and I feel like it's a thing like calling the ball like saying I've got it it's like come on at work McCall has to deal with a robber and as the situation escalates and the guy gets more threatening he steals the cashier's ring that was her mother's and the cashier is devastated by this McCall makes mental notes about the guy's appearance and lets him leave initially and then watches him as he flees and then 
call goes into action, clearly to find the guy, and he almost instantaneously does find him and gets the stuff back, and the cashier is just over the moon about the fact that she got the ring back. A mob cop comes to ask McCall about Mandy at home, and McCall is as truthful as he needs to be, and when the cop gets done asking questions, he goes to leave, and McCall kind of gets in his face about it and asks him how he found him based on what he had because he only used cash that night and he shouldn't have been able to track him down. Now McCall is at the diner again and he picks up on the fact that the only guy in there at closing time other than him is clearly there for McCall likely to kill him. And so he takes him down and then he goes out to the mob guys waiting in their car and takes a series of pictures of them and they start to pursue him on foot. McCall takes a lot of guys down in this sequence, but unfortunately, these moments don't hit the spot quite like a movie like John Wick does. It's gotta be at least partially because of the cinematography, like the way it's shot, it doesn't make it look as cool. But I'm gonna try and not hold the equalizer to the standards of John Wick. Then, while he's still on the run, McCall goes to his apartment bathroom to dress his wound, and he slips out to watch the guys on home surveillance as they basically just scope out his place and try and figure out who he is. The bad guys realize that he's watching them, and the main baddie tells them that he wants McCall found, and McCall goes to see his friend Susan to see what insight she can provide regarding what's going on with these mobsters, and apparently she has an important enough job that she can get important info like this. He talks to her husband Brian, who does more hyping of McCall's reputation, and talks about having actually heard that McCall had died at one point. Susan gives McCall background information about many of the men that McCall has become entangled with, and she asks him why he would do all of this for a seemingly random young girl, and McCall makes it clear that it makes sense to him. And I gotta say, at the 80 minute mark, I was thinking this movie better fucking have one hell of a climax coming, like, that third act needs to fucking bring it. McCall shows up at the house of a mob guy named Masters, who is played admirably by David Harbour of Stranger Things fame, and now he's actually like a full-fledged movie star. Masters is lured into his garage by a car alarm, and ultimately McCall knocks him out and puts him in the running car with a hose run from the exhaust tailpipe to the window, and McCall uses this deadly situation as leverage against Masters to get him to help infiltrate the mob. So McCall goes with Masters to see this guy at this one front business. Basically, Masters just tells this guy that he needs to, like, get the fuck out of there. Like, it, it's it's been compromised, is what he says. And, and the guy really doesn't want to do that. And he doesn't like that this mysterious guy, McCall, is with Masters while this is happening. And so he pulls out a gun on McCall. He has the gun pointed at him for, like, two seconds. And McCall immediately... And McCall immediately gets it out of his hands and turns it around on him. And it's like, holy shit. And then, of course, this causes a big standoff with the mobsters in the room. Afterwards, McCall has Masters handcuffed to a pipe. He relents and tells McCall about some things that he has lined up as sort of an escape plan if he ever wanted to get out of the business. Next, McCall goes to see one of the higher-up mob guys named Teddy and tells him a story, and then he blows up a building. It, there's it's, it, a whole bunch of shit. I gotta say, not that this movie hasn't had its share of excitement, but overall, it's 
been kind of slow. Like for for the amount of stuff that has happened, it's like even those things like doesn't even get your heart racing or anything. The mob figures out that McCall has people he cares about in Ralphie and other Home Mart employees. So they take them hostage at the store, but McCall comes and starts to unleash hell on the bad guys. And he so clearly knows this place so much better than these bad guys do. Like, it's like his fucking fortress, you know? It's like he he just knows everything about this place. This is a pretty cool setting for the final showdown, and I think I might have actually unknowingly watched this, like this whole scene in a clip on TikTok because I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't recognize the movie, and it, it was just like, eh, I'll watch this, you know, I'll check it out. And a lot of times, TikTok pages will just not fucking share any information or even tag the movie, and it's fucking confusing. Also, the music is all fucking wrong in this sequence, like it needs to be more toned down and not so continuous at least initially to like build tension you kind of see how McCall is just patiently waiting to let his plan unfold and pick off these guys one by one as they walk around the store and one of them is taken out with McCall's battery operated drill and it feels a little too quick and easy like I've never put a drill through somebody's skull but intuitively speaking it just seems like it would be more trouble than this so there's a big fight with McCall and one of the bad guys and it's a more close quarters combat type thing and the guy actually gets McCall down but he fails to kill him in the moment. McCall gets free, gets the best of him and Ralphie comes and finds McCall on the ground and they try and get out of harm's way and Ralphie ends up actually getting shot but he can still walk so McCall sends Ralphie to go find the circuit breaker while McCall just stays back to give him cover as best he can and one of the bad guys is blown up by a microwave bomb in the break room and although the explosion should be cool I'm starting to realize that this movie really overuses slow motion it's been problematic like it's especially bad throughout these final scenes I guess my thought is they need to not have the slow-mo on for what end up being these very extended sequences they needed to like pick and choose how much slow-mo they were actually going to use to make it a little more impactful when they use it but things wrap up at the store and McCall comes to see the head mob guy Vladimir while he's showering and McCall says he wants the head of the snake and leaves Vladimir to be electrocuted. McCall runs into Alina on his way home and she tells him that she's recovering and she's started reading and she's gotten a new job and she thanks him for all the stuff he did for her. And we close out the movie seeing McCall has posted to Craigslist offering help and gets a response and confirms that he's willing to work with this mysterious person who responded. And we roll credits. So praise for this movie. This flick did well telling its relatively straightforward story and it made it watchable. The acting is actually pretty fucking solid. I mean, across the board, there's not like a bad performance that I noticed. For criticism, I would say I feel like I was probably underwhelmed by this movie, as I mentioned, because of the John Wick factor. I mean, it came out the same year, and in my opinion, it did so much better. It executed so much better than this movie did. So it just kind of paled in comparison to that. And there's also, like I was talking about a moment ago, too much fucking slow motion. Let's let's rein it in on that. Because, I mean, a lot of this stuff, it feels somehow like 
even though I could see it in other movies and not be bothered by it, it's like, it seems really cliche to me. Like some of the story choices, oh, we've got a mob guy. It's one man against the entire mob, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm alone in that. So trivia for this movie, the script originally gave Robert McCall no backstory and Denzel Washington developed the notion that the character would have obsessive compulsive disorder. Chloe Grace Moretz interviewed real prostitutes and gained weight for her role. She was able to win over the director who originally wanted someone closer to 24. She was 16 at the time of this production. Okay, on to info and ratings. We have a runtime of 132 minutes. This movie is rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. Budget, $55 million. Opening weekend, $34.1 million. Worldwide gross, $192.3 million. IMDb rating, 7.2. Letterbox rating, 3.3. Rotten Tomato Critics score, 61%. Rotten Tomato Audience score, 77%. Personal rating, 3.5 out of 5 stars. I I liked it okay. I don't like regret watching it, but I also feel like it was underwhelming and the spots where it needed to not be. So yeah, that's what I got for you. So as I mentioned, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do to get my most recent updates. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye now. <laughs>